0: Companies aren't getting hacked because cryptography is not up to speed. It's really people hacking other people. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today on the Actualize Success podcast. I'm Jason Blumstein, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Hubert C. to discuss payment fraud technology solutions. To give you a little bit of background about us, we're both senior managers in Actualize Consulting's capital markets and treasury practice. I specialize in process improvement and banking or TMS vendor analysis, as well as implementation projects involving payment factories. Prior to my time at Actualize, I worked as a corporate treasury practitioner and as a direct consultant for Reval and Bloomberg. Hubert is certified in both Coupa and Kariba Treasury Management Systems and is training with a few others. His expertise lies in cash forecasting, payments, fraud prevention, and is the go-to person within the firm for troubleshooting any challenges that we come across. Hubert, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Jason. I'm glad to be here.
0: I posted a lead in article on LinkedIn to see what our listeners wanted to hear about. And we got some good input. One listener in particular asked about statistics around how prevalent fraud attempts were in 2020. We found an AFP 2021 article that was sponsored by JP Morgan and showed that 75% of organizations were targets of payment fraud attacks in 2020. That may seem high, but it's actually a drop down from nearly 80% in the year prior. We've seen a growing trend amongst our clients to move payment operations to a more streamlined approach. Um, In many cases, a payment originates at an invoicing system and moves its way into an ERP system for approval and release to a payment processing system or treasury management system. That workflow allows for certain efficiencies that we won't focus on today, but it also introduces multiple points of potential fraud to take place. What happens if someone fakes an invoice and raises it for payment processing? How's that possible? And what's the likelihood that it would be detected? Is it possible that a payment can be processed without proper review and approval? And could that payment instruction be edited without detection? These are all questions that we commonly ask ourselves during an implementation of one of these payment factory projects, but how much attention does it get after that initial stage? Today, we're going to talk about what tools we see used in the market, what to expect during an implementation of those tools and recommendations for a continued evaluation of risk to your fraud. So Hubert, do you wanna just maybe share some of your experiences Um, going through implementations with fraud modules?
1: Yeah, I'm glad to do so. Most TMSs in the market now have a payment fraud detection module, and it basically screens all your payments going through the system, whether it's from an ERP or manually initiated before they even get to the bank. The payments do not go out until a review and the proper authorizations take place. They often have your regular rules-based detection methods where it can flag payments based on certain characteristics that you select or cross-reference beneficiaries against a sanctions list. But now with the developments in artificial intelligence, TMSs have also started to incorporate machine learning. Machine learning is where the TMS evaluates each payment and compares that against payments that have been made in the past. And if it doesn't look similar enough to previous payments, it will flag it for the reviewer to to take a second look. So for instance, if you've been paying vendor A $10,000 for the past 10 times, and now there's a payment for the same vendor for $100,000, that payment gets flagged in for review. The other point I wanted to talk about is RPA, which is robotic process automation. RPA has existed for a long time now, but where the int- interesting developments are happening is combining this with artificial intelligence. One use case of combining RPA and artificial intelligence is where it can be used to automatically extract process payments data out of your TMS and look for anomalies. You can also have it automatically update vendor data systems. So it basically shifts our roles as human beings from being a processor to more of a reviewer, thereby minimizing errors and the chances of data manipulation.
0: It's great. Thanks. So, yeah, I know, AI and machine learning have become buzzwords in the industry, and so has RPA. And while even our firms develop RPA solutions for a number of things, it's great to see these work their way into something as delicate and important as fraud. What about other things that are out there? Um, you know, how do you identify yourself in logging into a system so that you can prove it's you? Are you seeing more firms using biometrics or single sign-on, IP filtering?
1: You know, so far we've been focusing on what we can do to detect and prevent fraud within the payments ecosystem. But if you think about the bigger picture, most TMSs now are cloud-based, which means that anyone in the world who has an internet connection and has the right credentials and the right intentions can access the system. This is why I can't stress enough the importance of securing the entry point to your system. And this is where single sign-on and IP filtering comes into play. They basically provide an additional layer of assurance that the user who is trying to log in is actually who they say they are. And IP filtering and SSO, do you think both are needed? The clients to implement SSO should already have IP filtering in place because, in general, you need to be on your VPN in order to log in through SSO. So, So I don't think that combination is really required. I usually recommend the same.
0: I know sometimes that comes up. Are we okay with just single sign-on in our TMS, or do we need the combination of both? So you mentioned RPA and machine learning are some tools that can help mitigate payments fraud. Um, but those don't just happen with the snap of a finger, of course. Um, part of what we do as a firm is to assist our clients with their implementation efforts. And I know we, we both have some client success stories to share, but how about we shift towards the other side of that? And can you just share a couple of hurdles or challenges that that your clients have faced during the implementation stage and how you overcame them?
1: Sure. Many of the fraud detection rules we spoke about rely on historical data for them to be effective. So simply activating that detection rule is not sufficient. A detection rule that, for instance, flags every new payment to a new beneficiary when it doesn't have, it basically will flag every payment if it does not have any history to refer to. So you, you don't want to the reviewer to be overwhelmed with a bunch of false positives that way if it's flagging every payment that goes out. So this is why you want to come up with a strategy when implementing these systems. One thing to consider is, Feeding the system with historical data from the past year or so in order to minimize these false positives. Yeah, interesting.
0: So I guess either feeding in historical data for that background so that AI or machine learning can really take hold, or maybe implementing in a phased approach. I know, you know, you mentioned one where it's it's a flag for a new payment to a a one-time beneficiary, we've also seen a combination of of hard and soft flags be used. So as long as the tool that you're using can allow for you to say, maybe this should just at least get a second look, but it doesn't necessarily have to stop the payment. That's another strategy that, that we've seen used as well.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point, Jason. That way the, you can get a feel for what payments get flagged without actually being um, a hindrance to your, your daily operations. And until you feel comfortable with the payments that are getting flagged, the amount of payments that are getting flagged, then you can decide to face the rollout of the different detection rules.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks for that, Hubert. So,
0: just out of curiosity, you know, from an implementation standpoint, would you say that the fraud module is relatively easy or one of the more challenging modules of a, a TMS to implement?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question, Jason. It's it's certainly not an easy module to implement. From a technical standpoint, it's easy to just start checking boxes and start enabling detection rules but you have to think about what it actually shows to the reviewers what what the payments what payments are actually getting flagged by the your the detection rules that you're turning on so so it's important before actually turning on the module you have to consider what we talked about importing historical data so that the detection rules have more data to go back to. And also, you need to decide, do payments actually get held up? Or is it more of an FYI in the beginning for for the team to, to review the, the payments that get flagged? And then from from there, Determine a path forward.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying, right? I, I guess it's from a a technical perspective, it's probably relatively easy. Um, although, if you're bringing in the historical data, that that's something to think about. But it it's not really a set it and forget it type of solution. It's just one piece of an overall program and and a way of thinking about potential fraud risk that, you know, firms should be stepping into. It's kind of like a, a, so what, what, what does it mean that we've got a, a solution here to flag payments for review? Can we, as you say, set up some KPIs and, or metrics to, to make sure are we, do we have effective rules? Are we uh, flagging too many payments and, and really distracting the team? Or are we flagging things? And, and then for those payments that, that do get flagged, do we as a firm have an effective way to look into whether or not those are legitimate or not? I think we can kind of circle back to even that poll that we were looking at from AFP. And, and there were some good suggestions there that I know we were even talking about before we saw that you know, we can throw a couple out there to the listeners. You know, I think the first one we both agreed on is we get subject to at least an annual review of what are, what should we be looking out for in terms of the world of, of BEC scams, right? Which has become one of the more, most common ones. You get an email from somebody proposing to be an executive uh, within your firm, only to find out that a letter or a digit is misplaced in their email. Have you seen anything else that you want to share to protect against those, those business email scams that are going around?
1: Yeah, I would say the, the number one is, as you said, user education. So, and even we do go, we go through that, as you said, annually, there's a term in, the cybersecurity space called social engineering and and that's where these perp- perpetrators target the the human element in the uh, in the chain so they would pretend to be an executive and then request for for funds transfer so you need to have also company policies that would say treasury members or certain members would never get a, a direct request from, say, a, an executive or the CEO for a funds transfer. Yeah. Great point,
0: right? I mean, internal policies, could the CEO of the company even write a note to somebody from accounts payable saying, please make this payment? I mean, that alone should raise raise concerns and, and raise a flag that maybe that that's not legitimate. Do you ever see the movie uh, Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. yeah. So I, I heard Frank Abagnale speak to a group of, of treasury professionals a couple of years ago, and, and he was talking primarily about social engineering. You know, we talked about single sign-on before. He said companies aren't getting hacked because cryptography is not up to speed. It's really people hacking other people right? Sending an email, posing to be somebody else, raising a sense of urgency. you know Those are things to just clearly remind your team of to, to pay attention to and avoid. And then, yeah, you mentioned company policies. I mean, say something gets flagged as potential fraud, what are your internal escalation processes or, or validation mechanisms to make sure that that is a legitimate payment? And, you know, you would also want to make sure wherever the the beneficiary payment instructions are residing, that there's protections in place to make sure proper controls are needed to update those. And what we typically would like to recommend is even if two people do go into modify that instruction incorrectly, it should alert a broader group outside of just those people that can modify it so that there's just more eyes on things like that where it is probably a higher level risk that could impact your payment workflow. I think it's important you know, that teams have that sense of responsibility to, to not just try to bury potential fraud points under the rug but really challenge themselves to raise it to the, to the light. Right, you can only really protect and monitor what you're aware of. It doesn't just go away if you ignore it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and we we always say as well, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. But these TMSs they have audit reports, KPIs that you can that you can go back to, and and it may not be an actual. Fraudulent event that happened. It may just be somebody inadvertently getting around a series of controls that you'd actually catch by by going through the audit reports mm-hmm. in the TMS.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great point, Hubert. I think we're just about out of time. Uh, thanks for carving out some time here to discuss this with me. Just so our listeners know, if they do have any additional questions or something else they'd like to discuss with either of us, our emails will be in the episode's show notes. Also, feel free to send us a note or connect with us on LinkedIn. We'd be happy to talk through any of this with you. Take care. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizeconsulting.com, where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or would like to share your opinions with us, please send us a note at podcast at com. We look forward to hearing from you.